Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome back to the intro. This is your host, Matt Delavalle, a.k.a. MDV, and I'm joined today on the mic by Seth Page, all the way from beautiful Hawaii, the founder of Jump Ship Training and the former founder of Misfit Athletics, chimes in on the myths and misconceptions in functional training programming. Now, Seth is one of the most seasoned and respected coaches and programmers in the space, and if you haven't heard of him, you've heard of him now. Write down the name, Seth Page. He is an absolute wealth of knowledge when it comes to programming workouts, and he's been doing it longer than just about anybody in the game. He and I both have really strong opinions on the subject, and you're going to love this conversation. Now, before we get into the conversation, two things I want to make you aware of. You've probably heard them before. Number one, NC Flex, the functional strength and bodybuilding program from NC Fit. I write every single workout. I test all the movements in the workouts in my garage. If you haven't followed me on Instagram at MDV underscore FIT, that's where you see a lot of the training go down. But you can find the training on the NC Fit app on the iTunes slash Apple app store. That's where you can get the NC Fit app. Number two, Last Port Coffee Company. I posted this morning that we are testing out a new roast and a new decaf roast for my Last Port fans out there. This is absolutely fantastic coffee. It's locally sourced, roasted, and all packaged together here in the Pacific Northwest. You can trust that it is some of the best coffee that you will ever taste. Please shop small, please shop local, and stop buying coffee where they can't even get your name right on the damn cup. Now, without further ado, grab a notebook, grab a chair, and let's learn a thing or two about programming from Mr. Seth Page. Let's go. All right, ladies and gents, and welcome back to the intro. I'm super excited to sit down with a recurring guest now. This is time number two that I'm sitting down with my main man, Seth Page, the founder, the head honcho of Jump Ship Training, also runs Jump Ship CrossFit in, I don't even remember what island you're on, but you're somewhere in the islands. You're an island guy now. You got the hair to match. And uh, Seth, well, first of all, remind me what island you're on. I'm on Oahu. Oahu. Oahu, Oahu in Hawaii. So yeah. Are you on the north Busy side island. or the south side? Uh, we have two gyms, one on the west side, one on the east. So we kind of oh. have both sides of the island covered. Yep. I was ready off to go. on both directions there. <laughs> um, well, very, very cool. That's awesome. Two new, two jump ship training gyms on Oahu, living the life. Um, for those of you who do not know who Seth Page is, number one, you should figure out who Seth Page is because nobody has more chops in the space, arguably from a programming standpoint, a competitive programming standpoint, than this man, one of the original founders of Misfit and Misfit Programming and all of the amazing things that you guys did up there, all the athletes you qualified, the systems you created, and you've programmed probably more workouts than just about anybody else in the competitive space over your career. That's kind of, I, I think that too, it's kind of my funny little claim to fame. Doesn't by any means mean I'm the best at it, but I certainly have been doing it probably the longest and most consistently. Since 2009, I've had a, at least one program for competitors and gyms going at a time sometimes more than one at a time and we're talking about 13 years of that now with uh very no breaks basically no breaks no so breaks <laughs> I, I don't know anyone else that's put out you know somewhere between four and seven pieces a day for all different audiences for 13 years so that's where i'm at right now well it's very cool uh i think that one of the best ways to get really good at this stuff is to just do it watch athletes go through, see the results of it, and then tweak over time. And if we're going that route, no one arguably has more experience than you. And you, you post a picture today on your social media 
of you sitting down, I believe it was James Fitzgerald, and then it was the founder of Outlaw Program. Rudy, yep. Rudy, oh my gosh, Rudy, what a <laughs> fucking throwback to the early days of CrossFit with Rudy from Outlaw. I remember going to competitions and seeing him show up with his glasses and oh, know, yeah. weird outfits looking all kind of menacing and deep. And uh, oh man, that, that really brought the nostalgias back for me. If you didn't do it, like, if you, if you were a competitor back in like 2010, 2011, and you weren't doing outlaw, you weren't a competitor. That was sort of the way it was. He literally, like, we don't see eye to eye on programming at all. It would never have, probably never will. But he did pioneer putting something out there for the masses and on a competitive level where everyone else was still doing gym programming. So like, he really did set the bar. He did the first real athlete camps. He did all that stuff first. Um, and I guess in a lot of ways, probably paved the road for me. So. Yeah. And probably paved the road for a lot of people. You know, I think that yeah. he definitely opened the door a somewhat controversial guy. I think that he had some yeah. stuff that went on in his personal life. And then also within his business that, you know, definitely, we don't have to rehash it here, but definitely drew a lot of attention in not a positive way. Right. Um, but his program was undeniably effective for a lot of years for a lot of people. Um, and I don't know where he even is these days. Is he still involved in program? Did he get all the way out? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't talked to him probably since shortly after that photo was taken and I haven't seen him post on social media in years. So I have no yeah. idea where he's at. Well, we got a little research project after this podcast <laughs> to figure out where Rudy from Outlaw uh, Training is. But Seth, one of the main reasons I wanted to have you back on, and it's a shame that you haven't been back on more. We got to correct that going forward. But you know, recently you've been a little bit more vocal on your social media channel, and I, I would encourage everybody out there to find Seth on Instagram. And please, Seth, your handle is at Seth at Jumped. Seth Jumped Ship. Yep, at yep. Seth Jumped Ship on Instagram. But a couple of the things that you've been posting recently really drew my attention insofar that they're a little bit of a departure from what I think a lot of people might look at as going, hey, this is traditional CrossFit GPP. This is how we should be doing it. This is programmed here and we should follow it to the letter of the law. And in terms of this conversation, I really want to touch on you know, two main aspects of it. And number one would be this idea of percentage work as being such a huge part of what everybody's looking at, both in the competitive arena for uh, CrossFit slash functional training, but then also in the class environment. I think that there's probably multiple aspects to that discussion. And then number two, we're going to talk about hopefully this idea of workouts that get programmed on CrossFit.com like the three, 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 three weighted pull-up workout and other workouts like that that show up that whether or not we believe they actually have a tremendous amount of validity, validity, excuse me, as the only thing being programmed in a class environment specifically. But Seth, let's get into talking about percentage work because this is something that I hear from owners all the time. Why, and at NC Fit, we do not usually associate percentages with strength cycles or with lifting cycles and lifting cycles in general i'm not a humongous humongous fan of but we have gotten a little bit more into cycled based strength in our ncx program which is strength and conditioning and a little bit in our nc metcon which is our gpp but we definitely shy away from percentage work i want to hear your opinion on percentages in regard to gpp yeah so i'm, I'm also on the uh, in the camp 
uh, I don't do cycles either. So percentages I use very, very sparingly as a, um, if you ever see them for me, they're just basically an idea, right? It's like, this is about where you can start and then go from there. And it isn't, there is no hard and fast rules on percentages for me. And in GPP in general, um, percentages don't seem to make a lot of sense. GPP is not random, which I think a lot of people still need to understand. It's not random. It's still very orchestrated and thought out. But the difference is, let's say, if your squat day, for example, is on a Wednesday and you have some pro progressive percentage across six to eight to 10 weeks, every Wednesday you're squatting, it would be very hard to balance a true GPP program that's going to hit different other components each Wednesday with that squat day that won't take away or, you know, maybe have a, a, a bad effect on your ability to hit those percentages. So it's not it's not really in what GPP is to have some linear progression, whether it be, you know, adding five pounds a week or adding a percentage or whatever with everything else you have to train. The other things, it should be a balance of everything. And in fact, sticking to something that's just percentage based to me is kind of lazy in a lot of sense. And I think people go there because they don't understand how else to do it. There's a whole lot of programs out there. There's a whole lot of strength and conditioning coaches that have come into the CrossFit space in the last 10 years. And a lot of the, I would say, programs that they've looked to, whether in or outside of CrossFit, would have used percentages. Hmm. And I will say for things like weightlifters, powerlifters, things like that, they do need they do need percentage work more often. They don't necessarily need it as a rule, but they do need it more often because when you have a singular focus like weightlifting, you need to make sure you're not burning your athletes out, right? So if you give them free reign to run with it each and every day, um, there's a good chance that a lot of them are going to build up too heavy. They're, you know, they won't recover their whole body, whether it's, you know, joints, tissue, central nervous system. It's just not going to recover if you let them go all out all the time. Percentage work in weightlifting helps control that and helps focus on technique. But in CrossFit, you don't need as big of a dose of strength work in weightlifting as you do in those very focused sports. Strength and weightlifting is just a component of CrossFit. It goes with the conditioning and skills and other things. It's equally as important as, as the others. Can and I so a lot of those- before Go ahead. Yeah. Go further. Go. Are, are you talking now in regard to an individual competitive athlete who is taking your programming and implementing it without a tremendous amount of other variables? Or are, are we spoken in the discussion more on the class environment where the variables are way more numerable in terms of like not knowing when the person is going to train, how often they're coming in, uh, who they're training with, what their work day might have looked like. You know, I think that there's probably a, a little bit of a difference in the discussion. Ultimately, I, I think that I would agree in terms of where we're going to get to that percentages don't necessarily matter as much. But in terms of the class environment, I almost think that they're complete nonsense in average people walking into the gym. But do you think that there's a difference in talking about a competitor in which you're controlling much more of the variables? Um, no, I think no. they're equally useless for both. Um, mm. It's just that the variables you described are just separate reasons why they're useless. So like with the, in a class environment, which again, I coach probably 15 classes a week between my two gyms. Just like you said, someone is not going to have a consistent schedule or, uh, you know, some are going to be two days a week, some are going to be three, some are going to be five. And if you try to put a cycle of percentages and weightlifting into that week, 
everyone's going to have vastly different experiences, results, whatever, based on the fact they're not truly following the cycle. No one's mm. coming for all those days to hit the cycle you built. If, if you back squat on Mondays in your class and the athlete can't come to Mondays, never comes to Monday. So you're just taking back squat out of someone's program forever. It, it makes absolutely no sense to me as a, a, you know, from a gym owner's perspective, shifting to competitors, competitors that's such a uh, general thing to call somebody a competitor because you have somebody who just wants to improve in the open right and they're being competitive because mm -hmm. they want to you know up from the leaderboard last year and then i have athletes that follow jump ship that are making legitimate pushes for a game slot this year and so with that variety i'm i'm writing a generalized program and it's a baseline of 90 minutes right and so the 90 minutes can be done in a lot of ways and and once you start with that baseline 90 minutes you can build off it you know drop back some whatever that's a different conversation but the point is to put one percentage out there for this huge spectrum of what a competitor is and expect you know certain people to recover from these sessions the same rate of that other uh, athletes are recovering it just mm -hmm. makes no sense and again the variable of and crossfitters are different than weightlifters too like you know you know athletes personally that can hit like 85 to 90% of their one rep for like four. And you're like, well, you All shouldn't that. be able to do that. Yeah, that's <laughs> crazy. And then you have others who like have to really fight to build to 90% of their one rep on any given day. It yeah. just, the, the percentages don't match up on a CrossFitter. They're just so vastly different. And the way that they kind of operate is just different than a traditional weightlifter. So percentages, it's just too many rules. It's too strict. You need to give more flexibility in people's, um, uh, opportunity to push when they're feeling good and back it down when they need to recover and percentages don't allow for that. I like that. I think, you know, one of the things that I never liked about percentages was this unrealistic expectation that it might place on the athlete, both in the gym for the average gym goer and also for the competitive athlete insofar that if they're looking at something where they go, okay, today I have to do 85% of my one rep max. Let's just call it that for the percentage that we're thinking about. Maybe that person whether it's uh, physiologically or psych uh, uh, psychologically or emotionally or mentally, they are not there. If they put that number on there and let's say they fall well below it, there's this huge burden that's placed on the athlete of thinking that they are not as fit as they might or should be or were yeah. or could be. And I think that the other side of the coin is true too, where if you lock somebody into an 85%, but they're having a fucking fantastic out of body type of day and you go, well, there might be a lot more on the table here. We might be limiting growth in terms of what this person might be able to do if we didn't push a little beyond that today. And there are of course, situations where you do hit it spot on and it does make sense. But I do mm -hmm. think that that often is the minority. And, you know, I, I'm going to ask you the question and I have my own answer to this. If percentages don't work, what does? What's the alternative to this locked-in percentage type of thinking? Um, well, for me, I can I still control loads, and I actually control them more precisely, I think, but for each individual by the way that I um, write my strength work. So, for example, I can control um, – a time window so i can give someone 15 minutes to to build into you know a, a one rep or a three rep or five rep i can give that and that gives a lot more freedom if i want to be strict about it i can say you know in 15 minutes or every three minutes for 15 minutes you're going to hit 
five deadlifts, right? So now I've controlled not only the time they have to lift their five by five, I've controlled the rest between the sets of their five by five. I can add a tempo. I can say I need two second negative on the way down in a soft touch and go. That limits weight, right? That can, that changes how much you can lift. I can say, you know, all out, you know, bounce if you need a little extra. I, I can control the variables of the sets, reps, time, rest, all that stuff to give a more general idea of what that barbell should do when you have it in your hands versus, um, yeah, versus percentages where it's just a number that's fixed and you just hit that number. Gotcha. If somebody's feeling really, does that make sense? Like there's yes. just so many variables that go into it that if I tweak those variables, if I shorten the rest on that five by five deadlift and say every 90 seconds, well, you don't have shit for time to build with, right? So you're not going to get that heavy in that window or you're not going to be able to recover between sets. If I give you four or five minutes between sets, I'm going to expect you to really, you know, load up and give it everything you got for that that set you know re recharge do it again so just by changing variables i control the feel of the lifting session mm. instead of being super restrictive yeah. yes makes sense you know one of the things that we've implemented at um nc fit and we certainly do not specialize in in coaching or programming for hyper competitive athletes i write the nc compete program that program is very very specifically designed for the everyday gym goer, the weekend warrior who wants to do really well in local competitions or perform well in the open. And one of the things that we did specifically in all of our programs that involve weightlifting of any sort of kind, and I'm talking about strength specific where there's not an assigned load to it. So this is not involved in like a 21, 15, 9, 95 pounds, 65 pounds, 65 pounds, 45 mm -hmm. pounds type of situation. This is like a five by five back squat. We associate different descriptive terminology as how that weight should feel. And then we have an index describing what that means to the athlete. So it goes from very heavy to heavy to moderate, heavy to moderate, to moderate, light to light all the way down the scale. And then giving a description that that person can look at. Essentially it's a cheat code for like an RPE type of uh, situation. Yep. And actually in our competitors program this year, we decided to implement uh, a simplified and NC fit kind of uh, created RPE type of scale where really we're working with a, uh, only a few sets of them. Only a few of them are really relative, which is the eight to nine variable, the six to seven variable and the four to five variable. And within that, we're able to assign those to different lifts or different types of workouts and give people an understanding of what that might mean in terms of like RPE. But for us, that does the job of a percentage in a way that gets the athlete to the prescribed stimulus that we want without necessarily locking them into something that might not be the best thing for them that day. And uh, it also gives them the freedom to go above and beyond what we might put down as a percentage if they're feeling like gangbusters. So, you know, that's how we go about it. And I certainly understand the way that you go about it. But Dude, I, I, I get confused by this all the time where, especially from gym owners, they come at us and they're like, we need more percentage work. I'm like, no, that, it, 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 it's almost completely meaningless, especially to the average yeah. gym goer. I get it. They like to assign a number to it because of the feeling of specificity, mm -hmm. but that's just a feeling that that's, yeah. that's all you're giving them. And it doesn't, it doesn't correlate to what their actual strength is at all. The, the, the number. And I do like RP. I, um, I've used it a few times. 
Um, I just haven't dug into it the way you guys have. I kind of like, I kind of like that you guys have that scale. I I use a much simpler scale of light, moderate to heavy. And you guys have like, you know, little, uh, intervals between each of those, which is really cool. It it would take some time for an athlete to understand what that feels like for them. But, but once they understand that, that could be a very effective way to, to definitely prescribe things. So yes, that's cool. I like that a lot. Well, thank you very much. Um, you know, we've shared tools over the years and I'll share this over to you so you can take a look at it. Please. But, um, one of the things that you just mentioned there is so fucking critically important that everybody forgets is that the coach is so intimately involved in this discussion, at least in my opinion, especially for the class environment, when guiding the athlete to what they should be putting on the barbell today to meet the stimulus of what they're intending. And one of the downsides of percentages in the class environment is I know that there's people out there that just write the fucking percentage on the board (laughs) and then put a calculator down on the table and go figure it out and put the weight on the bar. No, 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 no. Describing and learning how to describe a stimulus and transfer it over to the athletes is huge, huge. Dude, the percentage work thing is just laziness. It's, It's coaches not being willing to learn what a better way to prescribe weightlifting is to people and a better way to coach uh, athletes through it in class or, or competitors. You can coach competitors through it too. Like percentages is because you don't know better. And mm. I don't care if someone gets upset <laughs> about that. It's just, you, there's other, there's better ways to do it. There are just way better ways to do it. The only time I would say I would green light percentage work for somebody is if I was your coach and you were like, okay, I, you know, I'm going to get ready for this event and it's, four months away, I would say, okay, what are your lifts, whatever. And I would use those lifts as benchmarks for me to give you guidance on very specific numbers I'd want you to hit in terms of preparing for a competition. And I might even use those percentages as barbell weights in Metcons more than I may use it as the lift. I might say, I want you to, you know, your power clean for nine in this Metcon is going to be 65% of your one rep. Cause I want you to learn how to cycle the the way that higher percentages are build you across those percentages under oh, fatigue. Wow. So I'm, I, that's the only time I would use them, but it's on an individual basis. Cause I know you, I know what you can do. I know what you're trying to do and I can build you more linearly in a reduced amount of time, 12 weeks, we called it for a competition. And then that's the only time I'm peaking you, right? The rest of the time I'm writing a general program for people to be able to modify on their own. So I cannot use those percentages for them. They need to go off feel and and push when they can and and not when they can. So that's the only time I'd use it one-on-one basis. And I have to know you real well. That I agree wholeheartedly with that. When the, when the level of intimacy between the coach and the athlete is so high or the level of intention of the athlete is so high and they are working with somebody who knows exactly what that person needs to accomplish in regard to their whatever they're exploring with the percentage associated with it, that makes a lot of sense to me in terms of percentages. Hey, I need to be able to hit X weight by X date. I got it. But even in like the, um, in the GPP functional training CrossFit realm, like that situation isn't necessarily always like super apparent. Like that's not necessarily what people need. They might have an idea of a number that they need to get to, but like, Not very often do you have like this one line that the athlete goes, all right, I need to be able to snatch 275. You might have an idea that yes, competitors at this level need to snatch around this weight, but you're always going to want to be building higher than that. And you're going to want to be obviously lower than that, you know, so competitive weightlifters, yes, one-on-one environments, 
yes, really clear vision of how you want to work with the athlete. Maybe I kind of think that, you know, in the class environment though, like the application of percentages is more so just giving the athletes like a, a pacifier almost and, you know, <laughs> allowing them to, to rest very easily that oh, I can do this and put this weight on the bar and I don't have to necessarily help them as much. Dude, you can say it. It's a disservice. It's a disservice. I, you can I, say it. I'll say it for <laughs> you if you want. It's it's not good. I have never coaching. been a fan. I have never been a fan. It's not good coaching. It's just it's maybe it's maybe the uh, the affiliate owner doesn't have good help and they just need something simple to get their coaches that they have that can get you know. That's a whole other topic for another day, but you, you get my point. There, I, I understand why some would slide them in, but it's, it's a complete disservice for what you could do for your athletes. So, I, And I would, I would agree with that. And I also would agree that, and if you take it a step further, if you program a workout, let's say you put Grace on the board, 30 clean and jerks at 135 and 95, and you blindly tell people to put 135 pounds and 95 pounds on the bar, that is fucking insane. Yep. And that is almost the same exact thing that you're doing with percentage work. It almost is very similar. Yep. Now, you would, you would hopefully have enough kind of wherewithal as the coach to go, some people cannot do this weight today and they need to come down relative, even if they can do it other days. Maybe today they did something yesterday that's not there for them today or they're feeling fucking funky today or whatever you wouldn't lock somebody in automatically to a number in a Metcon. I hope you wouldn't. Why would you do it with weightlifting? Uh, you got me. You got me. I don't know why you would. <laughs> well, so. it seems like we ultimately agree there, but I really appreciated the fact that you put it out there so vocally because it, it has become, especially in the last like five or six years, this desire for cycle-based, percentage-based weightlifting has gone through the roof. And it, it's permeated into the class environment, which I don't love. Um, Seth, I also wanted to ask you about another um, opinion slash kind of point of view that you had. You, you did a video, a reel on Instagram in which you had a backdrop of a CrossFit.com workout. And I believe the workout was multiple sets of a weighted pull-up. Mm -hmm. And that was it for the day. And I want you to kind of just talk me through a little bit about like what, what your opinion on that workout was and maybe how it's changed over time and just let's chat about it. Yeah. So I'm a, you know, we've both been in the game a long time. I don't know if you came up on .com the same way I did, but I'm guessing you probably started with a lot of workouts from .com. How did you start? Uh, well, I got introduced to CrossFit through the police Academy in 2008. So, cause I was a cop for years and, um, so they, they pulled .com workouts um, and they just cherry picked them from whatever. And then they made all the cadets do them, which was a shit show, but really fun. <laughs> anyway, it was a mess, but really fun. And um, so that kind of got me hooked on it. And uh, when I left the police academy, you know, there's only one place for me to go to find my workouts, .com. I don't know any better, right? So I did a lot of .com workouts for well over a year, pretty much religiously. And when, and, uh, when Seth is saying .com, for anybody who's a little bit newer to the game, he's referring yeah. to CrossFit.com, which was the main site and widely referred to as just .com. The original WOD, literally. <laughs> yes. The original workout of the day. Which um, was or was not published at 5 p.m., Pacific, uh, Pacific yep. time. Sometimes they forgot. 
That's right. I would refresh my phone 8 p.m. on the East Coast. Like, where's my workout? Yeah. So anyway, I'm not, I'm very familiar with this stuff. Like very familiar. You go from something like you just explained the five sets of three way to pull up one day to a 45 minute 275 deadlift hero workout the next day. Just like I didn't understand it then. I actually still don't understand it now. I know it's just like a very, very it's, it's GPP from a mile high point of view is what it is. But anyway, <laughs> um, so I think the way to pull up workout we're talking about uh, has been on there. I think 10 times I, I looked, it was like the 10 times in the past 15 years or something it's been on there. Mm. And the, the methodology has, has been largely the same in CrossFit since I took my level one in 2009. The, the methodology, as far as the workbook goes, there's been some changes, but a lot of those things are still the same and they're, they're, it's good. I like the methodology. I'm, I'm, I'm on for most of it, but the programming hasn't changed or evolved at all. Go when ahead. You talk you about the, say when you talk about the methodology, you're talking about yep. constantly varied functional movements performed yep. at a high intensity. Correct. That, that's the definition of CrossFit. Okay. And now, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the stuff that Greg put out at the beginning in those articles still hold true today. Uh, a lot of those original articles, a lot of the stuff you find in the level one handbook, um, level two, that stuff has stood the test of time. A lot of it has. And, and the idea behind the workouts, do you agree or disagree with that? Uh, in terms of how they um, talk about structuring programming or in no, terms no, of no, just in general, the whole methodology in general. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's hard. I think it's very hard to mount an argument that putting compound movements together in the types of formats that we typically see in CrossFit and performing them at relative high intensities will not elicit a fantastic result. You look at the evidence of fucking people doing now CrossFit for 15 plus years, however long it's been you have a tremendous amount of fitness among this group. And in comparison to other types of um, training, the same injury levels, the injury levels for CrossFit are not any higher and they're right. drastically lower than sports. So yes, I would say that the, the methodology is effective at eliciting a, a well-rounded athlete, but specifically probably within like shorter time domains below 30 minutes, getting mm -hmm. below 30 minutes, you get a little iffy, but. I think that's very well put. And um, so now, that stuff's held stood the test of time, but the pool of people who have come into CrossFit have improved. Just like you said, 15 years of us doing this stuff, right? Uh, and the workouts haven't necessarily progressed or challenged or evolved at all. And while I think generally that's okay for what their statement is on the website for what it is, when we're talking about offering services and getting the most out of each gym session, whether it's for you or myself as an individual, or for what we can offer from what we've learned of 15 years experience and practical application, a five set of three weighted pull-up, while I think the parameters of the piece itself is useful, does not constitute a full training session or a full 60 minute class time. I think you can use that as a, something to build a class around or uh, build a session around if you want to make it a, 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 a challenging pulling gymnastic session or a combination of other gymnastics movements and have a gymnastic session based around that. I think that's fine. But the fact that they just published that as the workout of the day and with everything we know and we've experienced in the programs people can do and what I think the baseline CrossFitter, how, where their fitness has shifted 
from where a baseline CrossFitter would be 10 years ago to where your baseline affiliate athlete is now, you know, 10 years later, I think we're seeing a, a, a shift in, in um, I don't know, what'd you call it, the median of, of fitness levels or mm. something like that. And I just don't think that five sets of three weighted pull-ups is going to hit the mark for the majority of people who would be interested in doing a workout for CrossFit, mm. right? There's, there's, that may have been too long an explanation, but no. it just... It just seems like perspective on it. It just doesn't seem like, again, if I'm looking at what I can provide for value, I can do a lot more than that in, in, in a, a session. If that's the whole workout of the day, I can provide more value for one myself or for a class than what that workout's going to provide. And I will add this on top of this. I know CrossFit now has its own class programming company. We both know the guys that do that work. And we, I think we both have a lot of respect for those guys. And they even recognized that it wasn't enough because I had affiliate owners reach out after I posted and said, well, they added this skill stuff and then they added Tabata ring dips at the end. I said, okay, they did add something and that exactly makes my point for that, that this is not sufficient anymore. Mm. And so those guys recognized it and made the change, whether pull-ups and dips are still a complete class. I don't know. That's more debatable than what we're talking about though. That's a really, really interesting point that CrossFit.com published something and then they changed it for CAP, which is the CrossFit right. affiliate programming. I would ask the question, why would you even publish it then? If this is something that you're putting out that has your name on it and you're going to change it for your programming company, there's a disconnect there in my opinion. There's a philosophical disconnect. And, you know, I think, you know, Seth, I agree with you. So I agree with you, especially in terms of there's an experiential gap between that workout of five sets of three weighted pull-ups. If you're running that workout in your affiliate or your community-based fitness environment, I would almost guarantee that people are going to say, we didn't really do enough today to really merit the quote-unquote workout. Not only because, I mean, there's a million, there's a kind of a lot of examples of workouts, I think, that get programmed that could fall into that category. Uh, in the past from CrossFit.com. I think that the experience that people want to have when they come into the gym is ultimately they, they want to leave feeling very accomplished and feeling like they got their money's worth from the workout of that day. And a lot of times that means they want to break a sweat. They want to be moving around. They want to be doing a little bit different movements. They want to feel like they actually worked off, quote unquote, worked off whatever thing they ate the night before that they want to come in and work off. And, you know, the one piece of this where I might divert from your um, assessment of it is if you're a fucking lone soldier and you're doing these workouts in your garage and you're religiously following CrossFit.com every single day, you follow it every single day, you do all the workouts, you do them all in a row, you take the rest days when they're supposed to be rest days, then I can see some of the value of the weighted pull-up type of workout because then you're not just experiencing it in a vacuum. It's not just the one workout. It's all of these workouts combined. But I do think that still differs when you're talking about people who are paying 150 to 250 bucks a month to come into your gym and have their workout. I don't think it's sufficient for a gym to program just a five set of three weighted pull-up. I would have serious issues with that. And you do make a good point there. To be fair, 
I took the uh, five sets of three out of context for an individual, right? I actually didn't look back the day before and I didn't check back the day after to see what was coming. I didn't look so, either, but I, I didn't look to be fair. So maybe they had two complete ball busters of workouts in there. I, I doubt it, but I don't know. And um, so maybe that was part of their plan. But I think typically what they're doing, and this is just speculation, is they stick so hard to that um, MGW format where, you know, uh, monostructural gymnastics, weightlifting. And when they shift things around, it has to match their pattern of the letters that shift from day to day. And when they just end up with a G day, they just have to put something in there. And so they decided to put weighted pull-ups in there because they've done it before. So they justified it in the past and they did it again. To me, I've kind of done this around a lot, this conversation, but I think it's laziness again, or just unwillingness to, to progress something. Um, it's, it's, it is what it is. Again, I, I don't care if they want to keep doing that. I just, I really truly wanted to know if there were like any CrossFit maxis out there who were going to like battle back and be like, no, hell no, that's perfect. That's exactly what you need. I wanted to hear from those people. Cause I know Back in the day, CrossFit oh. had their robots on the there were staff members that would come back at you and they would write a book about why they were right about that workout. And I was curious if there's any people like that still lurking out there. I didn't did get, you get I didn't in, did anybody come out of the woodwork? None. In no. fact, most people that I know that were either on staff or are still on staff agreed with me. So um, which was interesting. Yeah. I I I even have trouble with just Sing any single modality day, nearly any single modality day, aside from a few exceptions, even just a work up to a heavy triple or a five sets of a three deadlift or a one rep max or, um, you know, a 2000 meter row, all of those workouts. Now that my perspective is a lot kind of grander in terms of like thinking about gyms who are trying to earn money by providing people a well-rounded fitness experience. I'm not talking about what will create the ultimate CrossFit athlete. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm right. talking about creating the ultimate fitness experience for your athletes. You can, and I've seen it done with weightlifting movements, create a fantastic experience. You have to be a really fucking talented and gifted coach to do it. I'm sorry. I don't think the weighted pull-up lands nearly anybody for nearly anybody, no matter how charismatic you are. That's a dud. <laughs> I think that's yep. a complete dud. I think it's a miss. And I think it's a little tone deaf and it's weird that they changed it for cap and they didn't change it or they had it on.com as um, the five sets of three. That's strange. It is. It is. Again. Uh, yeah. I, I have I have more to say, but I am afraid of what road it's going to take us down. If, if I say we, I we just, can go uh, down, we can go down any road that you want. I have another question for you, but go. take us down the road. Okay. okay what I was going to say. All right. All right. What I was going to say. What I was going <laughs> to say. And you can take it wherever you want from here. Sure. What I was going to say is, um, you know, with my my intensity babble that I'm always put on social media, right? Um, I, I do <laughs> I do worry with all the changes that are going on in CrossFit, um, ownership, everything else, that there will be a push slowly but surely to a new, softer, gentler CrossFit. I feel like they want a different feel from what it was. The days of, which is one of my favorite things ever, but it, totally inappropriate, the clown on the dialysis machine, Pukey, Pukey the clown with Rabdo, like 
funny to me, the hardcoreness. I get the I get the sentiment of it back in the day. It's not really funny to get rhabdo, obviously. It, it no. sucks. I know athletes that have had it, and it, I know it sucks. I've actually had it. It sucks. So I, I understand that, but they really want to push almost to me, in my mind, just watching little details of whether it's from the open or .com or whatever, it does feel like the shift wants to be even more inclusive than it already is. And so anything that's been scary for the last 10 years, starting to sort of disappear and shift. And I think you'll see that a little more reflected in the .com programming, which is why they're happy to put something like that out there. And I think they chose the right group of guys who understand the CrossFit methodology with the hand plan guys, now calf guys, they're very good at what they do with that stuff. And I think they picked the right group to lead CrossFit's class the way they want it to be mm. into the future. And so I, I, um, I fear that the softer, gentler um, side of CrossFit will continue, you know, what they want it to be will start shining through and the harder pushing intensity, this, that, will start to not be as highlighted. And mm. this is a very general, broad statement, but I, I don't know if you're picking up on anything I'm talking about, but like, this is what I'm going to defend until the day I'm done coaching is the try harder, bring your intensity stuff, you know, uh, less work, more effort sort of thing like that. Yeah. And me, I don't know. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that there's yeah. a difference between the stuff like pukey, the clown and smoke you like cheap crack, the t-shirt that CrossFit used to have and you know, our workout is your warm up, and, um, you know, this flat on the back type of stuff and the, the grunt, the kind of grungy, hardcore, this is a fight club type of mentality. Do you think that there's some of that that necessarily had to change in terms of how the brand is perceived in order to continue to grow? Not yes. saying that the intensity <laughs> of the workouts has to change. Not right. saying that the effort that people are putting into the work has to change, but I do think that there was some stuff that carried on probably a little too far and led to the proliferation of things like, you know, the games and, and really, I don't, I've said this on another podcast. I don't know whether or not ultimately the, the games are a good thing for CrossFit, the methodology or not. Um, because of how intense it makes the training look and how hard it might be for somebody who's just into general fitness or kind of interested in trying it, how hard it might make it for them to cross the threshold. So are you saying that, Hey, I wish that all the pukey stuff, the smoky, like cheap crack stuff, all that stuff, do you wish that came forward? Or do you just wish that, Hey, we still stick with, let's dance with the girl we brought to prom. Let's make sure we're still doing constantly varied functional movements at a high intensity. The second one, the, the yeah. first stuff had to go. It, it's, uh, it's aimed at a very certain specific demographic. And it's, like I said, it is completely inappropriate. I personally find it funny. I came up with the games being in the dirt, watching them on yeah. wave files on the computer, right? I, I was the type A personality pulled to CrossFit for those exact reasons, right? But as it evolves and it gets more legitimate, that stuff is completely needs to go. I can laugh about it as a joke in, in the past, but it's not part of what makes CrossFit great. I don't think. Um, so yeah, that it's inappropriate jokes that, you know, whatever, but the intensity side of it, of being willing to 
push yourself, you know, to places that you wouldn't normally ever push yourself anywhere in life, whether it's in your career, relationship, whatever, people dive into these freaking workouts like it's life or death. And I think the competition side of it, um, not talking about classes, this is different. I'm talking about my come up in the competition side. Um, there is a certain feeling and a certain draw to that that I hope stays with the people who want it. it, it the competition's not for everyone, right? CrossFit can be for everyone, even the the in gym stuff. CrossFit can be for everyone, but it's also not for everyone. Oh, right? yeah, I agree 100%. And, yeah. And competition is even lesser of the people who want to do CrossFit in there, right? But when you talk about competing, look at sports. People live and die for sports. Like CrossFit should be no different. And I think, um, you know, when we talk about things like intensity and keeping things where they should be, the shift in programming, whether it be from .com or to the back, the percentage work we talked about or back to this, just like controlling everything. When it comes down to it, the intensity will rule the day at the end of the day. That will be what separates people, whether it be on the competition floor or preparing for the competition. The intensity will be it. And I don't want to see a negative light shined on what intensity is or should be. Um, and I just think it was highlighted so much better back in the day. Um, and now it's not. Now the highlight is, is not on that certain aspect. It's on sponsors and other things. It's just different. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just ranting a little bit, but that's okay. Um, Continue. Yeah. Um, you know, I think a lot of this came around, you know, as we started talking about this intensity discussion, let's go back to kind of the root. Well, the morning chalk up put out an article that essentially was saying that intensity or redlining, as they put it, shouldn't, if you're redlining, you're doing it wrong. I believe was the actual title of the article. And within that, they quoted a bunch of coaches saying that, you know, you should only redline your workouts about 5% of the time. And that, you know, there's, you know, intensity is kind of over-programmed and you need to be working below that more often than not. My main gripe with this article, and I know that you had gripes with it as well. My main gripe is that they throw around the word redlining without fucking defining the term. That was infuriating right. to me. Because if you're talking about redlining insofar that it's a relative term for high, it's a, 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 an analogous term to relative high intensity, then that is bonkers that you're only going to be going 5% of your time if you want to be doing the CrossFit methodology. I'm sorry, that's, that's stupidness. But if you're talking about redlining, where you're talking about a situation where you have a pukey the clown type of outcome, yes, that might make sense for like, a very, 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 very small percentage of athletes who might only ever need to go there 5% of the time, just to know that that gear exists and that they don't quote unquote die. Because <laughs> if you're talking about someone who's going to go to the CrossFit games and they're going to put everything that they've been training for, for the past X number of years on the line, you do not want them to be afraid of what's behind the next level of beyond. And if you're going to fucking train a Navy SEAL, you do not want that type of person to be afraid of what's beyond. They have to experience it in training. And I'm not saying that this is appropriate to CrossFit at all, but that is why when they are doing training exercises in the fucking Navy SEALs, they have catastrophic accidents sometimes because yep. they need to push the people to that point. In competitive environment, I agree that it needs to be there. But that article irked me for that reason. It had no definition behind it. I think Dude, let you were talking about intensity, though. You're referring to relative high intensity. I just want to point out one thing. 
you work with Jason Kalipa. <laughs> Jason Kalipa was my intensity idol, okay? <laughs> that guy stumbled around like he was drunk in two-thirds of his workouts because he <laughs> tried harder than everybody. I mean, and he, I remember reading things. I don't even know if this was an article or like sneaky social media stuff back in the day. He used to, maybe you can correct me, test out regional workouts four, five, six times before getting to regionals back to back to back days because yeah. he wanted to know every nuance of it, where he can push to the absolute max, where he wanted to back up. Then he'll go out on the floor and rip out like a 450 Jackie or whatever it was. Did Just Jackie, something like, so stupid. Something like 50 times before yeah. going out there. Yeah. That guy is literally what I think of when I think of pushing to a red line. And so it's not that you're going to have a medical condition if you train so hard and, and you, like that sucks. I've had a member of my gym, you know, have a seizure in the middle of a workout. Like I've seen, you know, unfortunate scary. things happen, scary things. Yeah. That's not cool, obviously. But um, if you use Jason as the avatar, right. The guy is always testing his limits when he was training, he was pushing to the point just short of exhaustion and seeing how long he can maintain that. Some of the imams he would do would be like, I don't know how you do that much work in the one minute, never mind for 25 of those minutes. Like, I don't know how, and he would just push and push the boundaries on that. That is how you get fucking good. If you want to compete, that is how you learn everything you can learn about yourself. You test your mental, right? You know how far you can actually take it. And then you push your physical along the way. And that guy, like, unbelievable. He, he lacked in some things like movement efficiency and some other things at the high level. I don't think yeah. he was good. Yeah. I'm not saying something Couldn't you guys don't already ball. know. Yeah. Right. Or that too. Couldn't throw a softball. So he had issues that in today's landscape, a coach would have fixed. They would have knocked those things right out for him and his ability to get up and go would have probably maybe made him a champion more than once. And um, so I'm just saying, like, if I got to pick a competitive avatar, if you want to go back and watch the old Kalipa stuff, like you want to see what intensity should look like in training, there it is. Like, Now, Seth, I know we're kind of getting short on time here. I have a few yeah. other things that I want to talk about, but how, how do you then translate that type of intensity that is so um, key to eliciting the results of the program, not only the physical results, but the mental, the social, the emotional results that you can get out of this stuff? How do you translate that to the class environment? Because you don't really... You don't have Jason Kalipa stumbling around most <laughs> gyms, right? Like, no. how do you translate that? Yeah, so you just kind of, I think you have to explain the stimulus of the workout, right? And not every workout that I write or anyone writes is supposed to push you to a red line every day, right? I think we would agree with that. Yes. But you do want to have people push their paces to whatever their highest sustainable level is, right? That's kind of what should be their maximum output for that workout, a higher sustainable level. So you start to teach stimulus and start to teach people how to find the right stimulus for different pieces, different combinations, things like that. And then you teach pacing and you teach people, you know, you can build across the five rounds and your last round can be the, the most intense and you can empty the tank. And the other thing I do on a more that's the class setting. I mean, you just have to work with people and they need experience to, to know what it feels like and how to get there, right? That's a case by case. Some people it's going to take years. Some people it's going to take weeks to, to figure it out. And that's okay. That's just a daily thing you go through with them. But the my biggest tip I usually give people on the competitive side is you start to level up out of class and you want to start competing and you need a little more is learn how to do negative splits. If you wanna learn intensity, learn how to do negative splits. You start off at a very smooth pace, you get a feel for a round, you beat that round by a little bit 
a little bit of time, you beat the next round by a little more and you carry on till you can't or until you're done with rounds. And then you learn where you can push and back off, how fast you recover, where you can recover, how to transition, all those things start to come to light. So, and that's something I try to encourage in my classes too. If we're doing straight up conditioning stuff, we got row burpee intervals one day, which we do stuff like that. Um, I'll say, you know, try to beat your last time by one second. You got two, three minutes off between rounds, beat it again by another second, beat it again by another second. People get into that challenge and then you get the best out of them because they have something to shoot for and they understand what you want from them. That's how I do it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I love that yeah. answer, dude. I think that that's a very good answer. And, you know, I think back to the, to the early days of learning from, from Bergeron when I was training to compete with him, we experimented with negative splits a lot, but in a, in an environment on the rower where it was a thousand meter row and he would ask us to negative split every 250 yep. or on the 2000 meter row negative split every 500 and if you're listening to this podcast out there and you've never tried that is a very very fucking hard thing to do yes and it is. also beat your time because you start out slower and then you have to ramp up as you go um two things that i wanted to mention really quickly Seth, I, the highest sustainable level is such a beautiful phrase. And I think once you reach a level with your athletes where they're dosed enough with the uh, methodology and the movements and they can experience these workouts, that is what you're looking for out of almost all of your athletes, barring any sort of specific situations, injuries, all that kind of stuff uh, across all workouts. Like when you're talking about a three minute workout, you're looking for your highest sustainable level <clears throat> in three minutes. That's mm -hmm. going to be fucking a lot higher than in your yeah. 15 minute workout where you want your highest sustainable level versus in your 30 minute workout at a much slower pace, but it is still your highest sustainable level across 30 minutes. And in all three of those examples, they're still all bringing intensity, different forms, yes. but still all very intense. Yes. Yes. I, I, I think that that is a beautiful, not only a beautiful thing for both coaches and athletes <laughs> to remember and to understand, but also a great way to wrap up this podcast. And I have other stuff that I want to talk to you about. I want to have you back on because I think we need to lay out a definition and perhaps an idea of how GPP is not programmed as random, but we will do that at some point in the future. Seth, can you please let the listeners know again, where to find you on social media and then also where to find out more about your amazing competitive programming class programming from jump ship. Yeah, pretty easy. Seth jumped ship on Instagram and at jump ship training on Instagram. You'll find just about everything you need about me and the company there. So start there. And you're doing a jump ship training camp, I believe very soon in Oahu. Yes, uh, so sir. if you're looking at vacation in Island paradise, can you tell us a little bit more details about that? Uh, May 6th through the 8th. So it is coming up pretty fast. Um, we will do two, at least two days of in-gym um, training, half sessions. Then we're going to do surf lessons, hiking around the mountains, sunset, booze cruise, you name it. I mean, booze is optional, but you know, you know how it goes after a good training session and you're in Waikiki. So uh, yeah, should be a good time. It's more of an experience than a, uh, than a hardcore like CrossFit training camp. It's just about, yeah, having some fun and learning some stuff. It sounds like an absolute blast. Seth, Come on I out. yeah, I appreciate you uh, probably more than you know, man. I love having these conversations with you. I, uh, your experience is second to none, man. And in terms of people who belong on the Mount Rushmore programming, you are definitely up there, in my opinion, for uh, competitive and then also just across the entire CrossFit landscape. Thank you very much for the time. Thanks, man. It was a blast. 
Hello, friends. MDV here. Thank you for listening to the Intro with MDV podcast. And if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe for weekly downloads wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember, we have a new episode coming to you every Tuesday. And if you have time and five stars to spare, please leave me a rating and review on iTunes. If you're looking for more out of me, MDV, you can find me on Instagram at MDV underscore FIT. Until next time, friends, let's go. Let's go.